broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. But one day, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And that was, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. with his I Have a Dream speech. We weren't on the air yesterday because of the Martin Luther King holiday, but I did want to start with that because it's so important. It's such a, a crucial part of our history and, and the development of, of racial uh we watched how things progressed. You know, our, our country was founded. We had those that owned slaves, those that didn't own slaves, and then, of course, it progressed up through the Civil War, and then we went through the Civil Rights Movement, and the history behind where our country has been, where our country has come to, and where our country is going. If we don't learn from history, then we're going to be doomed to repeat it. And I think it's so crucial that we do look back. And you know what I love about Martin Luther King? What I love about Martin Luther King Jr. is that he stood up And he didn't say, hey, I deserve to have what everybody else has. I deserve, you know, if if I deserve to get free stuff. I deserve to have, you know, food given to me. I deserve to have free education. I deserve free college. I deserve this. I deserve that. No. He stood up and he said, I am a man. I am a human. And I deserve to be treated as a human. We are the same regardless of our skin color. We just want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want this country to give us a chance. We want this country to do what our Constitution says that it will do. That all men are created equal. And that all men have God-given rights. And that 
is what he fought for. Now, was he a perfect man? No, he definitely was not. And I'm not going to get into that because you know what? Everyone makes mistakes and everyone has flaws because we're all sinners. But God used Martin Luther King Jr. in really amazing ways in this country. And I believe one of the reasons that he was so successful is because what he said is, we just want a chance. He wasn't out there demanding free stuff. He was saying, I want a chance to be successful. I want a chance for my children and my grandchildren to be successful because I want them to be treated equally. And I believe that for the most part, that part of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream has been achieved. Now, is our racial uh, relations perfect in our country? No, obviously they are not. I mean, we saw that that white guy got beat up, viciously tortured the other week. Race relations are not perfect in America. But you know what? They're not perfect anywhere in the world, and they're never going to be because we are fallen, sinful human beings. But at the bottom, at the core of what Dr. Martin Luther King was doing, he said, I am a man. He said, I have a dream that one day my daughters will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And we can talk about race relations in America today, but I think the core of his dream has been largely fulfilled. Is there, are there still racists in America today? Yes, there are. But I believe that for the most part, most reasonable Americans, when they look at their fellow human beings, are judging them by the content of their character. And where that is not happening, it should be. And we should always, regardless of whether it's, it's a, a gr- group of black thugs beating up a white a boy who has mental issues or whether it's white oppression of, of some black individual wherever they might happen to be it needs to be called out it needs to be addressed it wouldn't matter if it was a, if it's a purple Martian oppressing a green munchkin of course then that wouldn't be someone made in the image of God but for those that are made in the image of God for we human beings regardless of race, nationality, or gender. What Dr. Martin Luther King did was say, we are humans, let's treat each other like humans. And I think that every day we get closer and closer to seeing that achieved. Here in America, now around the world, not so much. But here in America, I think that we are getting there. And did you know that Dr. Martin Luther King had uh, Ten Commandments for cultural change? And you don't hear these talked about very much. But we're gonna, I'm going to share those with you af- right after the next break because I want to get into some other things here first. But I did want to start with that today. You're listening to The Frittle Show. This is KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. It is inauguration week. A new morning in America is on the horizon. And all this week I'm going to be reading and playing clips from some of my favorite inauguration speeches from the past. Because history, I love history. We talk about history a lot on this show. History is an awesome 
thing that we need to learn from. We're also going to look in depth this week at who President-elect Trump has chosen to fill his cabinet. It's going to be exciting, and hopefully, hopefully we should all be praying for a peaceful week as well. Did you know uh, there are ads in two dozen cities offering protesters up to $2,500 to agitate at Trump's uh, inaugural? $2,500 to go be a troublemaker. Now, picture this. Barack, Senator Barack Obama is going to be sworn in as president of the United, 44th president of the United States. And there are ads in 24 cities in America saying, we will pay you $2,500 if you'll go protest his inauguration. Do you think that would have been headline news? Do you think that would have been plastered everywhere? Do you think that that would ha- people would have been decried as as racist and no, that no one would be supporting that? Because if you think that, you would be correct. So I ask you, what exactly is it that has changed? Why is it now suddenly okay? Is it simply because we don't want to talk about the inconvenient truth that perhaps, perhaps both sides have some mm, problems? And they might be different problems, but President Obama wasn't a perfect man isn't a perfect man, but he's still a president and we respect him as such. Donald Trump is not a perfect man, but he's about to become president and we need to respect him as such. But the Washington Times is reporting that uh, there are ads running in more than 20 cities offering $2,500 per month for agitators to demonstrate at this week's presidential inauguration events. Demand to protest a San Francisco company that bills itself as the largest private grassroots support organization in the United States posted ads in January 12th in multiple cities on Backpage.com seeking, quote, operatives. Get paid fighting against Trump, says the ad. We pay people already politically motivated to fight for the things they believe in. You were going to take action anyways. Why not do so with us? The ad continues. We are currently seeking operatives to help send a strong message at the upcoming inauguration protest. The job offers a monthly retainer of $2,500 plus our standard per event pay of $50 an hour as long as you participate in at least six events a year as well as health, vision, and dental insurance for full-time operatives. Mr. Trump has complained about paid activists both before and after the 2016 presidential campaign, but if anti-Trump advocacy groups are juicing their crowds with hired help, nobody's admitting it. Everybody's always saying, oh no, no, Trump and the right-wingers are just crazy, no one's getting paid to protest, nobody's getting busted into protest. No, there is an actual organization that is paying people $2,500 for a monthly retaining fee to go protest when they decide they want things protested. And, you know, since they're protesting Trump and since they're called demand protest and since they're based in San Francisco, you know, we can add these things together and probably come away with this might not be a right-wing conspiracy group. They might actually be leftist-leaning. Get paid to fighting against Trump. This is the ad they are running in over 20 cities.
They're going to pay you $2,500 for a monthly retainer plus $50 an hour as long as you participate in six events per year. And, oh, by the way, if you come protest at at least six events a year, we'll also give you health, vision, and dental insurance. That is outrageous. Not to mention just wrong. I don't care if you think that Donald Trump is a buffoon. I don't care if you think that he is unworthy of the presidency. It doesn't matter anymore. Right now, what is happening is that Donald Trump is going to be the president. And as the president, because of the office that he holds, he deserves our respect. He deserves our prayer. Not You don't have to respect the man per se. Because believe me, there are a lot of things about Donald Trump that I think are just disgustingly wrong. But he's still going to be my president, just as Barack Obama has been my president. Although there are far more things that I disagree with President Obama about. Doesn't matter. He's still my president. I'm not going to go in and... Okay, I got to stop because I'm going to... I'm going to just keep going on and on and on if I don't. So, look, what our Democratic Republic has done since its inception is that we have held elections. And in those elections, the people have chosen who they would have as their president. Throughout history, there have always been Americans who have been disappointed with the outcome of every single election. But never before in the history of our country have we had organizations that are willing to pay you and pay you very well if you will quote-unquote protest the incoming administration. And if the past year has been any indication of what paid protests have been like, Paid protesters all across this country have been the ones that have led to the looting and rioting that we have seen in cities all across America. This is not, this is not American. This is not an exercise of free speech. This is getting paid to loot and be violent and to express opinions in a way that was never intended and that is simply hurtful to both your cause and to the country as a whole. Because, I don't know, but I kind of feel like if you want someone to listen to you, perhaps the best way, like for example, I want to convince my brother that, uh, that he should, um, that he should, oh, I don't even know, what do I want my brother to do? He should go take. He should come with me to McDonald's next week and bring his his boys and his wife with him. So I want their whole family to come with me to McDonald's next week. Now, perhaps the best way for me to persuade him of this would be to be like, "Hey, Josh, why don't you guys come? Let's go to McDonald's next week. I'll even buy, or uh, let's split it, or we'll go Dutch, or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Or um, why don't you come out? I want to." sit with the boys, you and Sarah could sit at another table, I'll do this. There are ways that you can have that conversation. Now, if Josh says, no, I don't think so. Well, I can ask again, or I can try and change the date, or I can try and work around that. It probably won't do me any good 
if I say, well, fine then, and I go torch his house, or uh, I throw rocks through his windows, or I uh, destroy his car with a baseball bat. And I say, see, you know, you just you should have done what I wanted, and then this would have happened. But now that I've done this, will you do what I want and come with me to McDonald's? No! If I just destroyed my brother's car with a baseball bat, that's not going to make him more inclined to do what I want him to do. That's going to make him more inclined to never speak to me again. So you don't communicate something. You don't get your message out by being violent and destructive. That It doesn't work. It may get you attention. It may get you headlines. But this doesn't make anyone more inclined to see your point of view. And that's what I think is ridiculous. What has been ridiculous about the, quote, protests. It's not a protest if you're looting and burning and destroying things. That's just plain rioting and it doesn't work. It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do the country any good. You're hurting people. You're hurting businesses. You're hurting your cause, quite frankly. And that's just the bottom line. And it's the same thing with those that are, quote, going to protest and get paid to protest Trump's inauguration. It just doesn't make sense. And it's not a good idea. And that's... I don't, I don't know how to put it any more simply than that. But because we must have a happier topic before I can go to a break, let's talk about how now we have but four teams remaining in the NFL playoffs. And if you don't like football, I would say I'm sorry, but mostly I'm just sorry for you. I'm sorry for you. What we have left is the Steelers and the Patriots on the AFC side. One of them will be going to the Super Bowl. Personally, I would prefer it to be the Steelers, but then I would want the Steelers to lose in the Super Bowl because I'm not a big fan of either one of these teams. Even though, yes, I know I'm from Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. I'm a Broncos fan, always have been, always will be, and I know a lot of Steelers fans that I'm... Well, anyway, I'm not going to go there. On the other side, in the NFC, we have the Packers and the Falcons. I am totally okay with either one of these teams winning the Super Bowl. Don't really have a preference. I have friends that love both of these teams. By the way, I have friends that love all the teams that are left. But um, I have personal problems with both the Steelers and the Patriots, mostly due to my relationship to being a Broncos fan uh, for my entire life. Whereas with the Packers and Falcons, you may know this, or or you may not, but John Elway and the Denver Broncos beat them back-to-back in Super Bowls once upon a time. And so I'm really okay with either one of them winning the Super Bowl as long as you know we're not playing them. So I don't have a problem with them. So Packers, Falcons, eh. I, I'm okay with it. I really like Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. I What I love about the Packers, and you may completely disagree with me on this, but I think there are a lot of football teams out there that are very good, but their players are not a good reflection of the game, either on or off the field or both. Um, and I won't get into it in depth, but let's just say that's not why, the main reason why I'm not rooting for any of the teams on the AFC side. Okay. Whereas with the Packers, I don't, I see them as being a good representation of the game, both on and off the field. The Falcons I'm not as familiar with. I think Matt Ryan has had a phenomenal year and probably deserves to be in the Super Bowl. But uh, that's, uh, so you want my prediction or my hope? (laughs) My prediction is that it will be the Patriots and the Falcons 
My hope is that it will be the Steelers and the Packers, and the Packers win it all. There you go. Now you know. And we're going to take a break. When we get back, we will get into more serious yet fun stuff. So, don't go away. This is Chris Tomlin with At The Cross. As we get ready to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, it's important to remember some of who he was and what he did. I've been appointed in a number of states to help write their history standards, and so as we were writing in one state, I said, hey, let's not just say Dr. Martin Luther King, let's call him the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther which King. Which he was. Which he was. He's a pastor. They said, oh, we can't say that he's a preacher, not not in, in school standards. That's what he was. Well, yeah, because you can't have religion in school. Oh, man. And you even can't though even that's, say. That's part of who you, and, and you know, it's interesting. Faith motivated a lot of what he did, a, a lot of his movement. Not, not just personal life, but yeah. the movement itself was motivated by faith. Well, you know, the civil rights movement, to be part of that, you had to sign a card. And so you sign the card, and it's got your name down here, and you have to take the pledge. The pledge is, I'm going to follow these Ten Commandments. Now, we know the Ten Commandments out of the Bible. These are the Ten Commandments to be part of the civil rights movement with Dr. King. Let me just read some here. We'll, we'll go back and forth. Number one, meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Number two, remember always that the nonviolent movement and Birmingham seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. Number three, walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Number four, pray daily to be used by God in order that all men might be free. And there's Ten Commandments, and that's what guided the civil rights movement. Dr. Martin Luther King is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. It was the teachings of Jesus that made such a difference in American civil rights. And if you want to read the rest of these, you can go to wallbuilders.com and you can see the rest of these Ten Commandments. So I was going to tell you the rest of them, but I'm not going to. That was David and Tim Barton, my favorite historians. Also just um, an incredible fam. Well, anyway, I won't get into all that. But you should go to wallbuilders.com and you should read the rest of Dr. Martin Luther King's Ten Commandments. This literally happened. You probably haven't heard about it before, I'm guessing. Maybe you have. I don't know. But if you haven't, you should go to wallbuilders.com and you should read these. And if I had been on the air yesterday. I told you yesterday since it was MLK Day yesterday, but since we weren't, I'm letting you know today. Wallbuilders.com. Dr. Martin Luther King had 10 commandments. You had to sign this card and make this pledge if you wanted to be part of his civil rights movement. Now, you could be part of the civil rights movement in general. Anybody could. But if you wanted to be specifically involved with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and what he was doing, you had to take this pledge. And it's really incredible. Personally, I think that we should reprint these things and distribute them all throughout our country because they are, I believe, the reason that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was successful. If you look at what he had as the foundation of, okay, this is what we are going to do. This is what we are going to pray for. This is what we're going to ask uh This is how we're going to ask, rather, for God to use us and to work through what we're doing here. Now, again, I talked about this at the beginning of the show. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he wasn't a perfect guy. But God uses imperfect people. And I think that what Wall Builders has done in finding this stuff and bringing it to light is just amazing. Now, in stark contrast to what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did and taught and what he'd hoped to see and what he'd hoped to achieve and how we talked earlier in the show about how we've made so much progression uh, towards that goal, not everyone is progressing. And it's not always as simple as black and white. It's not always as simple as saying, oh, that's a problem in this group over here, but this group over here doesn't 
have that problem. It's not always as easy to say, oh, well, you know, uh, they they have this messed up and they don't think right about this, but my side has all the facts and all the truth and we're always right and none of us could ever be that way. Where am I going with this? I'm going to a story that just makes me sick and it's one you, again, probably haven't heard about, but I think it's a perfect example of why stereotypes and generalizations are so dangerous because, you know, we talked in the, in the first part of the show about uh, protesters that are literally being paid $2,500 a retainer plus fifth month retainer, $50 an hour, dental health, vision benefits um, to go and protest the Trump inauguration. And, and I went into that in detail. If you missed it, catch the podcast. It'll be up on iTunes and SoundCloud later. But there's a flip side of this. Okay, there's the other side. You know, Trump supporters have been accused of being alt-right and neo-Nazi and racist and bigoted. And most Trump supporters vehemently refute these claims. And most Trump supporters, I would say, aren't any of these things. But there are also those Trump supporters that say no. No. None, nobody that supports Donald Trump is is racist or hating or neo-Nazi. And all you losers and haters just need to grow up and go away. But here's the thing. No matter who you are or what you do, there are always going to be crazy people that either they're on your team or they're not. Whether you recruit them or want them or not, you can't just be like, no, my side, we have all the good people. No one on my side would ever think like that. No one on my side could ever do that. That's not, it's just not the facts. You can't generalize. Every man is born a sinner. And every man's heart has to be redeemed. But we now know officially, it's 100% confirmed, that there are some Trump supporters that are, in fact, neo-Nazis. And there is a group of neo-Nazis that are calling for an armed march against Jews in Montana. In Montana. This isn't, like, something that's going on in Brooklyn. No, in Montana. There's this dude named Richard Spencer. He runs the National Policy Institute. And he also runs a neo-Nazi website, The Daily Stormer. He's announced an armed march by white supremacists in an effort to harass a Montana Jewish community. A web graphic published last week announced the march in Whitefish, Montana, and is published over a picture of the entrance to Auschwitz and includes a yellow star of David with the word Jude printed in it. Whitefish is home to white supremacist leader Richard Spencer, president of the National Policy Institute, a white supremacist think tank. Last month, he spoke at a white supremacist event in Washington, D.C., celebrating President-elect Donald Trump's victory. At the event, Spencer said, Hail Trump, and was greeted by Nazi salutes. The Daily Stormer, this, by the way, is from the Jerusalem Post. The Daily Stormer, a white supremacist publication, published a blog post earlier in the month calling for followers to take action against Jews and whitefish by writing and calling them with anti-Semitic messages. The post claimed that Jewish residents were threatening mothers, uh, Spencer's mother's business in the town. The post included the names, phone numbers, and addresses of Jewish whitefish residents in addition to the Twitter handle and photo of one of their children. The post also included photos of Jewish residents and whitefish emblazoned with yellow stars. Along with using a number of anti-Semitic slurs, the Post warned readers against using violence or anything like that. They just want them to harass them 
verbally and in writing. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. They're publishing children's photos, Jewish children's photos, Jewish families' photos, putting yellow stars on them, putting with pictures of Auschwitz, and then saying, oh, by the way, during this armed march that we want you all to participate in, before the armed march, we want you to harass these people. But, you know, try not to be violent about it. Just just harass them in writing and verbally. Just anytime you see, just Just harass them all the time. Like... Uh, And this isn't something that's going on in the Middle East. This is something that's happening right now, 2016, in Montana. But you know, the the good side of this is what the, uh, how the Jewish community in Montana has responded to this. I think it's pretty awesome. This is from JewishMontana.com. Wait, yeah, JewishMontana.com.org. They put out this statement, the Jewish community, in in Whitefish, Montana. They said, this is a chilling time for members of Montana's Jewish community. Haters, mostly from out of state, are seeking to intimidate the wonderful souls of Whitefish. They think they can bully Jews to leave this place. They're wrong. We're not going anywhere. We've received tremendous support from the overwhelming majority of our neighbors who are extraordinary people and lovers of humanity. We've merited great support from our elected officials, including Governor Steve Bullock, Senators John Tester and Steve Daines, Congressman Ryan Zink, and Attorney General Tim Fox. We've been blessed with amazing support from Jewish communities around the country. This is why we think it is so important to participate in the Montana Chumash Project. The haters seek to create darkness, but we will fight it with the eternal light and give every Jewish family in Montana Montana, all 1,500 households, a Chumash, which is a Jewish Bible or a Torah, as a gift from Jews and Gentiles around the country who love sharing light. We are sending a clear message. In response to your hatred, we will redouble our efforts to strengthen our community. We won't let a few dark elements darken this treasured state, and Shabbat Levifich will continue to brighten Montana with Torah and mitzvot. We hope, uh, with your help, the Jews, with your help, Okay, we're just going to start that sentence over. With your help, Jews and Judaism in Montana will flourish. So you literally have this neo-Nazi group saying, publishing Jewish families' photos, publishing their addresses, publishing the names of their family and their children, and telling, their, telling people, go harass these people because they're Jewish. And the Jewish community is responding. They're not lashing out at this people group. They're saying, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. If you would like to help us out, you can contribute. And we're going to give Torah to every Jewish family in Montana as a symbol of our standing with them. They said, uh, you know, we've talked to our state officials. They all stand with us. No one supports this. And we're going to fight your darkness with light. I think it's a phenomenal response. And I think it's a great opportunity for those of us who know Jesus to stand with this Jewish community and say, no, this is not right. 
Because, see, if, well, I don't have time to get into it, but once upon a time, uh, Christians were, were not behaving in a Christ-like way. And because of those actions, the Jewish community, I believe, has been, there's a wedge that was driven between Judaism and Christianity to where uh, the Jewish people are not as receptive to Jesus as the Messiah as they might otherwise have been because of some things that have happened in the past. And if I had time, I would get into it in detail, but I don't right now. So I'm just being very broad. But when we have opportunities like this, we can either choose to ignore it, pretend it's not happening, or just act like we don't know. Or we can say, this is wrong and we're going to stand with them. We can start to build back the bridges that were once upon a time burned to the, to ashes. And if you'd like to learn more about that, I'm going to share this link uh, to the community's website on my Twitter and Facebook so you can go there and check it out and learn more about it if you want to. This is a real thing that's happening right now in Montana. Montana. That's not that far away if you're here in Las Vegas. They're practically neighbors in this side of the country. But I have to take another break now. Or should we take another break? Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. It's time for another break. When we get back... When we get back, you thought that dinosaurs were extinct, didn't you? Like the flood wiped them out? No, no, not so much. So don't go away because I'm going to tell you about the latest dinosaur sighting. But first, David Wesley with Wonderful Merciful Savior. We'll be right back. That was David Wesley. He does acapella music on both uh, YouTube and iTunes. You can... YouTube, iTunes, yes, okay. I did say those correctly. You can find him there. It's David Wesley. He takes old worship songs, does them in acapella, really, I think, does a phenomenal job with them and has given us permission to use his stuff on KVXL. All right, so we're wrapping things up for the day with this fun but incredibly creepy, scary story. Did you think dinosaurs were extinct? They're basically not. So I'm, I, uh, sometimes when I'm, you know, getting ready to fall asleep, but can't fall asleep. I'll just look for, uh, I, I'll just scroll through Facebook and then put the phone down, go to sleep. So I'm scrolling through Facebook and you know how the Facebook videos now, if you pause on them at all, they just automatically play. So this video, somebody shared this video of this, it's like massive gator. Oh my word. And I thought it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. So I was like, all right, I'll watch this. And this giant, I mean, giant gator-looking thing comes walking out of the bushes. I thought it was fake. I was like, oh, that's a good costume. Good one, guys. You got me. But then I kept watching. (laughs) And it's not fake. This thing is huge. Huge. And there are people in the background of this video that look like they're no more than five yards away from this this dinosaur-esque creature that are taking pictures and I'm like, run away! Save yourselves! What are you doing? I'm not kidding. This, this, this beast, um, it was, uh, was spotted 
in Lakeland, Florida at the Polk Nature Discovery Center. Now, if you are living anywhere around Lakeland, Florida, I strongly suggest that you move and you move far away. I don't know how far alligators can travel, but if I lived anywhere near this thing, my children would never be allowed outside. My doors would always be locked. In fact, I don't, I'm sure alligators... This thing looks like it weighs more than a hippopotamus. I'm not kidding. It has this huge, like, dragon-esque beard. I've never seen an alligator with a beard, but this thing has this huge draping beard thing, and it's scales, and it's just, like, it's so big. I don't know how to describe it using words. You have to watch this. Just Google uh, Lakeland, Florida alligator. Guarantee it will pop right up. Or you can go to clickorlando.com. Uh, News 6 down there has the video. It, everybody's like, oh, the dinosaurs, they were hit by a meteor. And and it just, they all went up like dust and smoke. No. No, they did not. Most of them died in the flood because they couldn't swim. I mean, have you have you seen the little arms on that guy? What's his name? The T-Rex? You think that thing could swim? No, he sank like a rock. They all died, okay? But the ones that could swim, like these... I don't know how you swim, but there's so much water. Anyway, this one made it through, his ancestors. Because this thing, this is not an alligator. This, this looks like a dinosaur. I mean, um, 10 years from now... When they have revitalized radiocarbon dating and they find the skeleton of this thing, they're going to be like, oh my word, we have found a new version of dinosaur. It died five million years ago. No. No. It's going to die tomorrow when it walks into somebody's yard and somebody shoots it. And then, and then we'll use all of our very scientific dating to prove that it was actually alive millions of years ago. And then they're going to find a bullet in its skull and they're going to be like, oh my god. Goodness, cavemen were smarter than we thought. In fact, I'm not even sure if there were cavemen five million years ago. Some animal created weaponry before we knew it. For all of you children listening, this is all a joke. Except for the part about the huge dinosaur alligator that is real. Ask your parents to show you on Facebook or YouTube. Dinosaurs are not all gone. They are not. Because this thing, I don't care what anybody says, this is a dinosaur. If I was writing, like, a book... Or if I was like a biblical author, if I was writing something a hundred years ago and I saw this creature, I'd been like, dinosaurs are alive and well. I just saw one walk across my yard. So that's what I'm doing because I'm not currently writing a book or any scripture passages because that's all done already. God already finished that. What I'm doing is having a radio program, so I'm letting you know dinosaurs are alive and well. I've seen one on a video. And videos didn't exist Billions of years ago, when dinosaurs supposedly lived, nor did they live, uh, nor did video exist eight thousand years ago when dinosaurs actually lived, or a couple hundred years ago when dinosaurs also probably still actually lived. But I won't get into all of that. You can go check it out at AnswersInGenesis.com if you want to learn about the dinosaurs that were alive not so very long ago, or you can just keep listening to KVXL because Ken Ham, uh, Ken Ham's Answers program airs every morning. Actually, I believe in the next hour. So. 
You should listen and just keep listening all the time, 24-7, kvxl101.com. Thank you for being with us today. Join us for church tomorrow night, 7 p.m. here at Liberty Baptist. If you're in Las Vegas, the address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard, and we would love to have you here. We're going to go out today with one of my most favorite songs. This is the Ball Brothers with It's About the Cross. Hope you have a fantastic day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.